Luke chapter 2. Entitled this sermon, A Blue Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas, church. A Blue Christmas. Out of Luke chapter 2. Beginning in verse 25. Please read along with me. Actually, I want to make sure everybody's there this morning. It's a very important part of Scripture. Just holler amen if you're there in your Bibles or Bible apps. The person next to you has it. You can lean over and read along with them. Just want to get a hold of God's Scriptures this morning. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. The Bible says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he would not die before he had seen the Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about their child. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the thoughts may be spoken against, I'm sorry, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will also pierce your own soul also. Let's pray, church. Father, we thank you, God, that your word truly many years ago came alive. God, I ask you in this place this morning, your word would do the same. It would come alive, gripping our hearts and our attention. God, help us in this Christmas day, God, to exalt you and to praise you. Let our lives truly honor your Son and our Savior. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, all of God's people said, amen. Amen. There was a school that was going to have a Christmas play, which included the uh, scene where Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus were going to be taken to the inn. And in this Christmas play, there was this student, and he was really excited about it, uh, and he couldn't wait for the auditions. He really wanted to be the father Joseph wanted to be the father of baby Jesus and wanted to have that role. And so all of a sudden the day of auditions came and they begin to uh, perform and begin to act and do their very best. But the student's rival boy got the part of Joseph. The student actually ended up being the innkeeper of the play. This student was completely devastated. And his rival kid in his own class got to be, why didn't he get to be Joseph? And so he became the innkeeper. 
And so practice after practice leading up uh, to Christmas Day, uh, he begins, this student, to think about something that he can do. He's kind of plotting an attack, if you might want to say. And so the night came where the Christmas play, it was time to perform it. All the parents are there, all the teachers are there, the entire neighborhood is there. They're going to see these little kids put on this play. And so the scene comes for the student. He's the innkeeper. Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus waddled up, start to walk over to the inn. And it's a very dreary scene. And they get to the inn and they knock on the door. Then the student, because he's been plotting this whole time, he opens the door and says, may I help you? His rival classmate, being Joseph, responds and says, sir, do you have a place for me and my family? The innkeeper, the little student, this was his moment to unleash his plot. And he said, sure, come on in. And Joseph, here is this student, this other classmate. He is bewildered. This guy gone off script. He, I mean, everybody's watching him. You got to picture this, right? I mean, every, his own parents are out there, like, and everybody's eyes are bug-eyed, right? And they're looking at uh, Joseph. What is he going to do? And for seconds, this little boy, he's just bewildered. I don't know what to do. He's completely thrown off. His world is in a tizzy, right? And then he comes up with a plan. And he begins to look at the innkeeper and kind of over the shoulder and looks around, looks past the innkeeper. And then he says with a very loud and confident voice, no family of mine's going to stay in this dump. Mary, come on, we're going to the barn. And they were off they went. You know, sometimes Christmas doesn't always play out the way we want it to play out. Sometimes life in itself doesn't play out the way we want it to play out. There are times when you know the script of Christmas and the season and our lives should be written in such a way that these things shouldn't be happening. Perhaps There has been a death in the family even recently and there's an empty chair and that loved one is not there for this Christmas. Maybe there's a sickness that has been taken place and the bad news has been given from the doctor and instead of having everyone's eyes upon the the day of Christmas, they can only think about the prescription or they can only think about uh, the negative report from the doctor or physician. Perhaps there's been a breakup in marriage. There's been a severing in a, uh, in a family. Things just haven't been written right. It seems like life has gone off script. And we get bewildered and we're thrown back and we don't know how to respond. There are times when Christmas doesn't really go according to plan. We'd been promised ever since kids, right? Christmas is filled with fun, pleasure, and then suddenly it seems like it's a blue Christmas. And I got that title or that phrase from good old Elvis, amen, blue Christmas. And it's really the emotion that we're reflecting when life doesn't turn out the way we think it should. Elvis wrote these words, I'll have a blue Christmas, that's certain. 
And when that blue heartache starts hurting, you'll be doing all right with your Christmas of white, but I'll have a blue, blue Christmas. In fact, there are churches that have what is called a blue Christmas service. There is a man named Richard Spencer of Trinity Church in Austin, Wisconsin, and he said the world tells people if you buy this present, you'll be happy and it'll be a ho-ho-ho Christmas and you'll have a good time and joy to the world. And then he asks the question, well, what if there's no joy in my world at all? And so Mr. Spencer and other preachers have actually put together what they call the longest night of the year or a blue Christmas service, which usually happens on December 21st, which is the longest night of the year. They set up their service with a very somber music kind of playing in the background. The sanctuary is very dark. There are no candles lit. All the lights are dim. And there are readings out of Psalms and other parts of scriptures. And it's really just not a cheerful atmosphere at all. They don't sing, go tell it on the mountain or joy to the world. They don't sing what we sung this morning. There is joy in the Lord. My life is in you. Jesus, lover of my soul, there is no expression of joy in their life, but they are celebrating what they call a blue Christmas. Referring to these services, one man wrote that some churches held a blue Christmas service for those who suffered loss, complete with melancholy piano music and dead branches laid on a table covered with blue cloth to represent the winter of our souls. Kevin Manning, a Ph.D. psychologist, said this about the blue services, is that I found the whole thing to be quite depressing because I was looking for a word of hope, but I found none. This man was looking for a word of hope, but he couldn't find one. In our text this morning, we find a prophecy that really seems much like these blue Christmas services. Simeon, he is an old man who's The Bible says he's righteous and he's devout. He's committed to the religion. He's committed to whatever God would have in his life or want to do through him and his family and his ministry. And God had promised Simeon, this priest, that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. We read that in verse 26. This is Simeon's. You got a picture. This is Simeon's one chance to offer a prophecy about Jesus Christ. And he makes a declaration that's really just filled with bad news. He says here that this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. Another translation says that this baby boy will be the exposure of people's sin inside of their heart. And he also says that he would cause others to be, um, uh, would cause others to fall and be separated from their families. This child is destined to cause the fall and rising of many in Israel. Yes, we know Christ came and some would be lifted up and encouraged, but others would be absolutely destroyed. He also says that he would be, Christ would be a sign that would invite opposition. This child would face opposition from birth. 
He says that many thoughts of people's hearts would be revealed. He would expose the hidden sins and secrets. And then he turns. You got to picture this, mothers. It's like the doctor. You're there. You're in the birthing room. This is what's going on. Or the baby's already been born. And the doctor turns to you like Simeon, which is supposed to be her pastor, turns to Mary and says, And Mary, a sword will pierce through your soul also. Now that's pretty brutal. And we know that for a fact because eventually in her life she stands there and she watches her son nailed to a cross and there is deep pain within inside of her heart and soul. You know, for most people, Christmas is a fun and exciting time of year. But as one man observed, unless we see the shadow of the cross falling on the crib, we are not seeing Christmas clearly. Jesus didn't enter this world just to be a cute little baby. He came to suffer and die on a cross so that our sins might be forgiven, so that we might be saved. That was written by Paul L. Larson in his book called Christ the King. That first Christmas, you've got you to gotta understand what all the dynamics, church, of that first Christmas. It wasn't a holy, jolly Christmas. One woman in a book observed and wrote, Christmas is the story of a teenage girl pregnant with a child that is not her husband's. It's a story of a child born in a dirty animal stall. It is the story of innocent boys being killed by King Herod because Herod feared one of them might be the rival king the wise men spoke of. It's the story of someone sent into into the world to bring peace who was condemned to death. It is the story of a light sent to shine in the darkness and the world snuffed it out. It is the story of God's never-ending, self-giving mercy which was rejected and condemned. You know, one could reasonably argue that the first Christmas was literally a blue Christmas. And if all you looked at were the things that were wrong about the birth of Jesus, that's all you'd see. A blue, depressing Christmas, which really offered no words of hope or joy at all. But even Simeon didn't look at it that way. Yes, his words of prophecy were definitely filled with bad news. You know, many times, you got to now think with me for a second. Many times people come in the church and I'll shake their hand and I'll ask them how they're doing. And you can see it in their eyes. They might say I'm doing good, but you can see it in their eyes. Something's up. Now, I want you to picture Jesus standing at the very door of this church. And you walk in, and he asks you how you're doing. There's no really anything you can say. He already knows what you're, what's going on. He already knew the fight y'all had in the car with the wife. Amen. He already knew the kids you locked up in the closet because they were all mayhem this morning. Now, he already knows everything that's going on. Even though Simeon's... Prophecies were definitely filled with bad news. These weren't the only words Simeon had to say about Christ. Father and mother are coming in to the temple, holding the baby. 
And then he begins to pray to God. And he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now have dismissed your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people in Israel. You can almost picture this pastor, right? It's a little newborn baby in the church. God's told him, you're going, before you die, you're going to see the Messiah. And then enters in a baby. Here's the Messiah. And his heart leaps. God, I've seen your salvation. He's seen the light of the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. There would be dark moments surrounding this young baby, but really they all pale in comparison to what this child was going to accomplish. Jesus came to give light and bring salvation, church. The Christmas season isn't a time to put those dead branches out on the communion table. It isn't a time to be singing funeral hymns, amen. It's a time to literally rejoice. That a baby boy has been born unto us. It's a time to literally rejoice. It's a time to really bring out songs of praise. I got so frustrated with YouTube yesterday. I'm like searching Christmas songs and I get rid of Rudolph. Like it's just every single channel is just something. Give me something about a baby boy. Amen. And I'm very frustrated. Amen. looking for a song that truly reflected for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Yeah, this world is harsh. Can you say amen? People pass away. People move away. People do get divorced. People do get sick. People lose jobs at this time of the year. It's happened. These are real hardships and tragedies a lot of people face and they're going to happen to people we know, or even maybe even to us this morning. Things that we're battling. But the message from the gospel story of Jesus' birth is simply this. Praise God. That's the message. Job said, though he slay me. Job said, naked I came. Naked I'll praise the Lord. No matter what's going on in life, we have to understand unto us a child was born. Because of Jesus, we know we're not going to face these things alone. But see, if you take Jesus out of the story, life becomes blue very, very quickly. Very quickly. Back in 2005, Ridgeway Elementary School in Dodgeville, Wisconsin, decided to have a, what they would call a winter program instead of a Christmas program. And of course, you can't have Jesus in a school program nowadays, so... But one of the oddest things about their winter program was that they sang Silent Night. But they changed it up. It wasn't actually Silent Night. It was just the melody. They changed the song and called it Cold in the Night. And among the lyrics were these words, Cold in the night, no one in sight, Winter winds whirl and bite, How I wish I were happy and warm, Safe with my family out of the storm. 
Now, aren't those some cheerful lyrics? Amen. They took Jesus out of the story and then they put in words of loneliness and hopelessness in its place. In the place of Jesus Christ, they put some dreariness in. But see, that's what happens when you and I ignore Jesus Christ the child. An empty manger leads to an empty, depressing life, church. Without Jesus, life can be very depressed and very scary for that matter. Very scary. No wonder why 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds get to this point in their adulthood. They take a look out the front door and say, not a chance. And they want to go back inside. Yeah, I know. Little kids and adults, we know our little kids. I can't wait till I'm 18. I'm out of this place. And then they turn 18, step one foot out the door, and nope. Because <laughs> life is scary. It has to be faced, though. Without Jesus, life can be very dreary. But the repeated message, listen to me, church, and help me with this this morning. The repeated message throughout the story about Christ's birth is this. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. When the angel told Zechariah he was to be the father of John the Baptist, he declared in Luke chapter 1, verse 13, do not be afraid. Say it with me, church. Do not be afraid. afraid. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you are to give him the name John. When the angel visited Joseph and he told him, do not be afraid. Say it again with me. To take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. When the angel told Mary, he started with the same uh, four words. He said, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And when the angels appeared to the shepherds in the field, the angel told them the exact same thing. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The repeated message, even through our Christianity and life, church, is do not be afraid. Four powerful words that though there are people that will experience blue days or blue Christmases and experience times of depression or dreariness, the same message from the angel of the Lord is the same. Do not be afraid because to us a child is born. Again and again, God told his people, do not be afraid. Because we've received good news. And Simeon said the same thing. When he saw the Christ child, he declared he would be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to God's people in Israel. You know, I don't have to be afraid in dark times because Christ is my light. This world is filled with darkness and dark places. Circumstances of my life can make it so hard for me to see what really lies ahead. But Jesus brings that light. Jesus is the glory of God. He's the very crown jewel of Jerusalem. Tel Aviv, Israel. That baby boy is that jewel on God's crown. 
You and I, we don't have to face this world alone. Parents, we can rear up our children in such a way to when they take that first step out that door. Do not be afraid. Because Christ was with them as well. They can face life the exact same way we're facing life as parents. We don't have to face death and destruction and sicknesses all by ourselves. Because God's always right there. And because that's true, God gives us this promise that all things work out for good to those who love Him. If I love God, I have a promise that whatever happens, God's going to turn into good. It's a promise from God's throne. Simeon declared, my eyes have seen your salvation. What's the source of your salvation, church? Your job? Your bank account? Cool, sleek car that you drive? All the fancy gadgets and gizmos? What's the source of our salvation? You know, Christ, He came to earth to do for me what I couldn't do for myself. I could never be good enough to be good enough for God. Not a chance. I could never do enough good to outweigh all the sin and damage that I did in my life. There's no chance. It's not going to happen. And when I accepted that fact and repented of my sin and accepted that all I needed was the blood of Jesus Christ to forgive me, that's all I needed. Was my life completely put together? Absolutely not. The night I got saved, I still was homeless. I went back to the car that I was sleeping in. But God began to work in me. And I didn't have to be afraid anymore. You see, many in this world will mistake godly joy for earthly happiness. People believe that the chief goal in their lives is to be happy. And then when they get their happiness they realize that happiness only came from what happened in their circumstances. But then if the things that which happens to them isn't pleasant, they're not happy anymore. They become robbed of that happiness because someone, something has changed the lines in that play. They rewrote that script. Things are different now. But when Jesus comes into our lives, when that baby boy is presented to us, you and I can also see salvation and the glory of God. He takes those blue Christmases and he turns them into a resurrected life. That what we can have on Christmas, we can have it for the other 364 days of the year. Paul wrote, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living plenty or in want. Then he goes on to say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 
I close with this idea, and I found it in the Old Testament. The color blue shows up in a lot of Scripture. It really does. Mostly in the Old Testament. It's frequently mentioned when describing the fabric and decorations in the tabernacle and the old temples. But when I began to do my research for this sermon, I found that there was one person who would always wear blue. There was one person that God required to wear blue, and it was the high priest. When the high priest performed his service for God's people in the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies, he always wore this blue robe. There was a couple of exceptions to this, but day after day, one of the distinguishing marks of the high priest was a blue robe. Now, there's really a number of possible reasons why God may have decided to clothe his high priest in blue, but I only can really think of one in particular that jumped out at me. The Bible tells me, and church, I'm telling you this morning, that Jesus Christ is my high priest. Jesus Christ is your high priest. And he also wears a blue garment. For Jesus, reaching into my life and yours, and he takes this blueness, if you want to say, from our lives and bears them on his shoulders. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse 4, it tells us that when Christ died, surely he has borne all of our griefs, he has carried all of our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. The truth is, Jesus Christ, that little baby boy, has grown to be our high priest. That's what the Bible tells me. And I don't have to carry around the grief and the sorrows of my life anymore. I have a high priest that will carry it for me. And you and I, we can leave this place completely changed and free from the things of this world. We don't have to continue to have blue Christmases or blue days. We can turn to Jesus Christ and understand that salvation has been born to us. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes this morning.